I don't have any idea. Uh, yesterday, we made the attempt at covering predestination, and Sam made my brain explode. I broke Thomas. <laughs> I broke my brain. <laughs> I needed to step away. It wasn't yesterday. It was the day before yesterday. It was two days ago. And I needed to step back and kind of just make my own thoughts on it and really try to understand it because predestination is very uh, well, people have been it's it's been around since three four hundred eighty people have been arguing about it in the church for a very long time so let's talk about predestination let's go hey there I'm Thomas and I'm Sam and this is the Silent Planet podcast. Um, Thank you all for everybody that's uh, followed us so far. I, I was on there this morning looking, and we're, we just have consistent listeners. Um, we're constantly gaining new ones and new fans and, and likes on Facebook. Um, the support is great. Um, I'll start at the beginning of the podcast off just by saying, if you do have any questions, we do want to start covering those at the end of the episode. So send them to uh, the Silent Planet Podcast at gmail.com, uh, and we would uh, be more than happy to go over those. Uh, also, episode suggestions, we're open to those too. Now, um, back to our episode today, we're talking about predestination. Um, predestination is oftentimes a very difficult concept to swallow, and I've noticed uh, over the, the past little bit talking to several different people about this that they all kind of land in different places within the same doctrine, though. They all believe the same, same thing, the Southern Baptist um, orthodox that, that kind of thing um, they're, they're all landing in the same spot with pretty much everything except when we get to predestination i'm getting a very wide as as you put it sam spectrum yeah where these people are falling and it's i think that's important to talk about it's not this is not faith breaking earth shattering stuff wherever you land in this stuff i don't th- i th- i think that um interpretation of predestination and without being offensive is trivial at best I don't well, think it really is uh, make or break. Yeah, it, it you know, I I think the the necessity of it um, as we've as we've moved into a modern world here uh, has has changed to some effect because whole denominations were built on this. So when we talk about that spectrum, um, how I mentioned like your your uh, Presbyterians um, and your Southern Baptists are going to be more toward. The, on that spectrum, closer towards the the uh, Calvinistic side of the spectrum, maybe right? like right down the middle, we're kind of leaning more. So, well, Southern Southern Baptists in particular, I would say, are still a little closer to a Calvinistic side, not really not really center, yeah. right? Um, closer to a Calvinistic side. Presbyterians are even more so that direction, mm-hmm. right? And then um, your Methodists are on the other side. They're closer to an Armenian model that way. So, yes, within this spectrum that we've got, whole denominations were set up once upon a time. It was a lot more important. People were like, no, our entire um, uh, theology system here is kind of built around that. But we don't talk about that so much today. Right, that's not a modern process to really get into a lot of these theological things. In fact, unless somebody has like moved toward a theological education themselves, I mean, even on a seminary level, not necessarily just like a a collegiate level, but on into. (laughs) It's a reason why we mute our phones. Sorry. Yes. (laughs) 
On in, in on fact, before we started, I said, make sure we've got everything muted. And he's like, eh. oh, I missed that. Yeah, that's fine. My, my bad. It, 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 so things like this make its way into the episode. Y'all will just have to deal with it. <laughs> Continue. Of course, it, it was a spam call, too. That's the only thing that comes in at this time of the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. The uh, the spectrum there with um, the Armenian side of it and, and how they were going to build their theology. And we don't necessarily think along those lines anymore unless somebody is actually looking to go into like a seminary level education uh it's not discussed that much at a at a local church level right Mm -hmm. so yeah i think there's a reason there are whole people that's why since i i talked to you and it broke you and you went and shared some thoughts with some other people that are part of our congregation and you managed to break them (laughs) so you know it's kind of like we haven't even addressed some of this stuff i think there's a reason i think the reason is because when you start digging into the root of what this insinuates or what it means uh it has a tendency to leave this bewilderment about whoever's maybe either first thinking of it like the very first time or if they're revisiting it that they left it and they never really made heads or tails of it yeah Um, yeah it breaks you because you you don't it it pulls into question a lot of things yeah yeah well and i didn't even get into really the 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 five point system of it all, which we'll need to unpack, I think a little bit more yeah. today. Cause then when you, when you're just talking about it here, conceptually, let's just take predestination and how that's connected to election conceptually versus the alternative. There are a lot of things floating around in that process. Yeah. There are a lot of things you're trying to balance. Right. Um, so there's a reason why they kind of broke it down to five kind of uh, uh, conceptual points um, that they discuss and it's where these two, um, uh, schools of thought, the Calvinist thought and the Armenian thought, it's, it's where those two differ that those five points come in. Right now, before we get further, just for those listening that don't know exactly what predestination is, that is the idea that God, uh, has determined whether we are going to heaven or hell before we were created, um, calls into this. I mean, then it's not questioning his foreknowledge that he knows what's going to happen, what the outcome of outcome of everything is. Um, but that he has actually said before the foundation of the earth, I choose these people to be a part of exactly. Yeah. Um, eternity, um, uh, in glory. And I choose these people for destruction. That's actually double predestination because there's also a camp, which I would, probably put myself closer to um that would say that uh, because that really that's where it hurts the most i think not so much that god chooses people and calls them into um glory but that he chooses people for destruction also yeah but it it supported romans chapter 9 supports that and we'll need to look at some of these passages as well um so yeah that's essentially predestination and election. And then that brings into question again, when we're not taking just the five points of it, when we're just thinking conceptually of these ideas, which is all we did in the last podcast, you get into, um, well, then what's the point of evangelism? Um, ultimately what's the point of the whole cross? Um, Oh, yeah. this is Romans chapter nine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just incognito kind of slid yeah, that over to yeah. you because your your laptop is dead. <laughs> oh yeah, I pulled up. I've got a few lists of 
scriptures here that I went ahead and emailed myself to. So yeah, we'll, we'll be all set. That's the thing. We, we actually started going through this stuff on the last attempt to make an episode and had to stop about 30 minutes in realizing that I, I was not, not like not knowledgeable on it, but like realized that I was drumming up thoughts that I had not come to terms with yet that I had not settled. Um, and, and in doing so, honestly, it's, it's really strengthening. That's, that's why, and that's once again, that's why we do these episodes and we make this podcast possible is because I think that this kind of stuff is the, um, the things that we, you know, as a church and as, uh, congregations, uh, across the entire world struggle with these complicated concepts, it's good to have sort of a light and a uh, thoughtful review of these ideas. So that way you can, you can kind of build your faith. And, and for this specific subject, this has actually strengthened my faith a little bit um, where I've landed, but I'll get yeah. into that. Yeah. And, and know. it's not, it's not necessarily a, um, uh, where, where in the field of like mere Christianity stuff that people need to know and understand your salvation depends upon a certain amount of information. This is more advanced, yeah. right? This is getting into, um, uh, and this is part of what I was hinting at, I think, with the last one too. Um, I, I think what we have is um, Paul letting us know what our process of salvation looks like from an eternal perspective, from God's perspective, yeah. outside of time, as well as us understanding how that form that's how it formally works itself out right yeah. but also how it kind of the particulars of how it works itself out for us in time in reality right and and how it that shapes itself in two separate ways right um and, and the problem there is that and i talked about this collision of two ideas right the the law of non-contradiction still applies in christianity even though we've got this kind of collision of two ideas and essentially mm-hmm. in the law of non-contradiction is two things cannot be uh like a cannot be a and not a at the same time right yeah. that there has to be some kind of reason why it, in at the same time and for the same reason uh you can't say you can't affirm this and at the same time deny this right so if uh, um, we're walking, um, this is an illustration that Ravi gives. He says, if I'm walking out in the street and you see me and uh, you say to the wife, uh, congratulations, I hear you all are pregnant. And at the same time, she says, yes, I say no. You will not say, thank you very much. That was helpful, <laughs> right? <laughs> because there's a contradiction there. Yeah. At the same time and under the same circumstances, it cannot be A and non-A. Right. Yeah. So I think what we have here with these two kind of different concepts of a of of Calvinistic idea and Armenian idea is we have two conflicting ideas, but are they at the same time and in the same means? No, they're not. If Paul is talking about the universal, the formal, that which is outside of time, and then he's also talking about being inside time, how it actually formally works itself out. And that plays itself out in maybe in a more Armenian model. Yeah. We don't know God's destiny. We don't know what he's predained. Again, I talked about how uh, uh, R.C. Sproul says, every person I meet, I assume they're elected. Yeah. I assume the election of every person I meet because we don't know ultimately. 
So it doesn't do us any good to like, I don't know, test somebody before we talk to them as to whether or not it's even worth bringing up evangelism. No, we just do it. You do yeah. it to everybody. Why? Because formally... Uh, it may work itself out in this way of God and his grace and his decision, but since we don't have access to that knowledge, the way it plays itself out in reality between you and I is all free will involved, Yeah. right? So it's not A and not, it's it's not a, a, a contradiction or a breaking of the law of non-contradiction um, with uh, it being... Calvinism and Arminianism at the same time because it's not in the same form or format here. It's not at the same. There's a difference when you're talking about how do the rules apply from eternity and how does it apply when you're actually in reality, in time, stuck in the time stream. And I think Paul gives us, I think the Bible gives us a look at both. Yeah. Right. And, and so that, and that's part of what breaks us. <laughs> you're trying well, to, so every time you're, you're like, I know, I understand being in reality. I understand at least operating as if I have free will. That makes sense because, and we have to live that way because yeah. we don't know what eternity looks like. But then we also have, okay, um, you, you're not just uh, going through life with the full responsibility on you. When you um, give your all to try and express what it means to be a part of God's kingdom and try and bring somebody into that kingdom, right? If they don't surrender their life in the moment, their eternal soul isn't on you. It isn't on your responsibility if they reject the message that you've just delivered them. Right we can take some security and understanding there's this whole reality outside of us being stuck in this time string where God's sovereign. He's in control of all of this, right? Do your part. Your part is to evangelize and to share and, and, and to trust, uh, to offer this as an option that they choose, but know that it ultimately isn't going to stand or fall on whether or not you stumble over your words, if you come off sounding like, um, um, uh, well, another story I heard, there was a professor I had in seminary who talked about how, and he, it was in evangelism. This is seminary-level evangelism professor, <laughs> right? Yeah. He, he's probably good at this idea. Maybe of, a little bit. Maybe a little bit. He's, <laughs> he's probably pretty good at having an organic conversation and in the process kind of working in the the realm of spiritual things and then directing it in an orthodox direction and and actually kind of taking somebody through the process of believing if they've never been exposed to that. Right. right? He's probably really good at that. But he wasn't feeling it one day. Like, he just wasn't having it at all. It was a bad day, whatever, got up on the wrong side, and he's at some 7-Eleven somewhere or gas station, and he's got the sense that the, the clerk there who's checking people out, isn't having a good day. Her mind's somewhere else, right? She's obviously struggling with something, but he's in a hurry, you know? He just, not now, right? He's going to pay for whatever it is in his gas and go. And, and he felt that there was this urging kind of pressure on his spirit that he should talk to this lady, Right, just ask her a few questions and kind of see where she stands and and do his thing, which he was a professional with. But he was just like, yeah, no, I can't. I'm just too busy right now. I'm just not feeling it right now. Whatever, right? 
And some trucker guy comes up behind him right as she's done checking him out and asks this lady, do you know Jesus? <laughs> like, okay. And, and her response is, no, I don't. So here was a lady who was ready to receive, was, and, and she was sent somebody who is articulate and <laughs> an expert in the area, yeah. right? And he just wasn't feeling it that day. So when he said no, the next person that came in wasn't the expert. Wasn't yeah. yeah, and it didn't ride on the fact that you you don't have to be that level of expert. Yeah, right. the The gospel can be received and be effective, even if it comes from somebody who's just not all that educated and not all that articulate, and you know, uh, says it in the most just. There's nothing organic at all about the conversation. It can still work, mm-hmm. right? Because it's it's not resting on our responsibility that way there's some security knowing that that god's sovereign and that he has elected people in that regard and can bring them to himself even using you know jesus you know yeah it it can still work uncle bubba yeah uncle bubba can still pull this off you don't have to have the the expert you know seminary level evangelist Billy Graham, you know, you don't have to have that quality necessarily to bring somebody into saving faith. Yeah. Because ultimately God is sovereign. So, well, so pre, so with predestination, um, do you, so this is a question I actually have for you. Do you, do you think that there are multiple paths that we can take and multiple outcomes, but we choose, and in our free will, we choose what path we actually take. Because the the idea of predestination, the way I was talking about it with my wife last night, is um, if God, for instance, He's not bound by time, right? Mm-hmm. Timeless. So there's uh, for us, we're in the past, and then the present happens, and we're in the present, but now that's the past. You're right. But the future is yet to come. So we're we are never. In, in a in a balanced state of time, right. ever we're constantly changing, always. And so God, um, in in His timelessness, is in this perfect balance of past, present, future. Is mm-hmm. right, yeah. Um, so in doing so, He obviously knows everything in history because everything in history is happening right now, right. simultaneously. the The creation of me and and my grandparents and my grandparents' grandparents. There, it's all just going on right now right um because to for for him to create somebody like when he created quote unquote created me assumes that sp- statement assumes that he did it in the past but for him i mean everything is right right so in doing that he knows ultimately where i'm going to line up when and that's the thing if i deviate hard off of christianity and i'm not elect right if i if i just go lead a miserable life the rest of my life reject god and i die and then i go to hell um, he knows that he obviously knows everything. Um, that is the idea of predestination, right? So if he knowingly created me, knowing that I was going to hell, he knowingly created somebody that's damned to hell. Right. That, that's, that is a, uh, a hard football pill sized pill to swallow. <laughs> that's a huge football size pill to swallow. Here's the other aspect of it. If you've been exposed to the gospel, particularly if you're somebody who, for a while, according to our 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 living in reality, dealing with day to day, right, not outside 
eternity, not from God's perspective, but our perspective, mm-hmm. going through life day to day. And it appears that you genuinely accepted the gospel, that you genuinely believed for a while, and then came to a place where you just didn't anymore, kind of like the, our, our buddies Rhett and Link, you oh, know, yeah. at least where yeah, they yeah, currently yeah. are in their, in their state. Yeah, again, in Hopeful their changing agnostic. state. Because like you said, um, the the past is not even really, uh, uh, or the present, the present is not even really a measurable. It's, it's so infinitely small uh, uh, point in time. It's an impossible is, state to reach. It, it is changing the future into the past. This, this instance, as it goes along the timeline, here's our future. And it's, it's moving into the future, changing the future into the past. And it's right at that change, right? It, it's so tiny, such, such a, a, a small bracket of time that um, God can exist in an eternity, all past, all future, everything is just that finite thing that we can't even begin to conceptualize. Perfect balance. Yeah, Perfection. perfect balance of, of, of all of that there. Um, but if we step into the timeline instead, and it appears that somebody was living a genuine life there, and at some point fell away, or as the Armenians would say, they're backslidden, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and that's that's part of their theology. You're, <laughs> that goes you're back backsliding. To, you <laughs> you start hanging out with them boys, you're going backslide. You're going backslide. It's going to happen. I'm like causing PTSD for a lot of people. <laughs> so their grandma said that for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That That's from the Armenian standpoint because yeah. it's really up to you. Your salvation is totally dependent on if you stay consistent in yeah. this. Well, we're fickle and we're not going to be consistent and most of us can't even like manage to keep our new year's resolutions. Are you kidding me? Oh, <laughs> we're going to stay we're going to stay on top of our everlasting salvation. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> you know? I'm still down a few books. I was supposed to read a lot of books this year. Yeah, yeah. See, it's we're too fickle yeah. in that regard. So, yes, if the the potential of backsliding but in in when we're in reality and li- in living day to day, that that's something that you see when you're not being consistent in your walk. You have days that are and uh, it can pile up, whole seasons in your mm-hmm. life where you're not as connected, right? Or maybe even seasons where you're stepping away from the faith there. But but uh, if it's not ultimately dependent on us. If we're not responsible for that, I think we can take some comfort in that, you know, yeah. that, that process. It is a difficult, it's a difficult thing. Like I said, a football sized pill to swallow. It, it is an argument that you will have to face. If yeah. you're going to even talk about predestination, you have to at least make yourself comfortable enough with the idea that God knowingly created somebody that is damned to hell. Yeah. Well, if, and, if and we, it, if we take that double predestination standpoint, and again, we use this example of somebody who's seem to be in the faith genuinely and then stepped away and they die mm-hmm. in that state. They die in that state of rejection and come to find out that they weren't elect. Right. Yeah. Okay. So let's look at that. Is it still just in their final judgment? God can say, well, look, you were presented the truth for a while. You followed it. At some point you ultimately rejected that. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't think anyone who's being intellectually honest could look at that and say, well, it's God's fault. No, they were presented the truth. They actively followed it for a while. 
You know, that's a hard pill to swallow, but at the same time, is it unjust? No. And let me, let me answer the, the reason. This is, my, this is where my conclusion is, okay? Yeah. This is where I've kind of landed, that God has a design, i.e. blueprints, if you will, for lack of a better, I don't, I'm not so educated that I can come up with a better analogy, but he's got blueprints, okay? And in these blueprints, he wants us to have free will and decision-making and our own desire to follow him because that ultimately is good and glorifies him more, right? Than him playing, as we've said in the previous episodes, puppet master role, right, right. making people do good things and taking away children's cancer and all that stuff. He's he's not a puppet master, nor does he want to be. He wants us to seek him out, right? And th- this is that, uh, as you were saying, A can't be A and then also not A. Mm-hmm. I think for God, God can and can't at the same time. And that is... Uh, when I say can't, I'm not saying he's limited, but this is a concept that we probably don't even have a term for. That's a concept that no human could possibly understand, uh, being and not being and doing and not doing at the same time. But I know it's confusing, but I'll get, I'll get there. Right. And so the point is, uh, in God's all knowing, um, foreknowledge, right. He knows the outcome. However, at the same time of fully knowing the outcome and still creating us, he wants to follow his design in free will, right? So in a sense, if, if you look at it in a weird way, yes, predestination is a thing. But if you also look at it in the right light, predestination is only predestination because he just knows the outcome of the events that he's created, of his design. But his design ultimately is free will. It's just hard for us to wrap our brains around the two being simultaneous, uh, having a predestination and a variable predestination, even though he knows the outcome. That's kind of where I've lined up. Yeah. And I, that might be that might be weird. It might hurt somebody's feelings. And I'm sorry. You know, ultimately, you know, you believe in Jesus and accept him as your Lord and Savior. You go to heaven. That's what we preach and teach. And we believe the Bible. And that's cover true. To cover. That's true. It's facts. Right. Yeah. But that's kind of where I line up. I think that because God knows all predestination is. But he also, and this is why he didn't stop Eve from meeting, you know, and this is why he didn't stop and change history. Right. Because he has a design that he wanted to see through. He wanted history, our history, the human history and time itself to play out the way he designed it. Yeah. And that includes free will. So I think that right there, even though it's difficult to swallow, that right there is, um, the the pre- presentation or the idea of having a predestination and a free will all at the same time. Yeah, it it's it gets into areas that can be dangerous of making God the author of sin. Um, right. If if uh, uh, again everything is is determined that way. Again, it's trying to make Christianity into determinism. That's, that's what we talked about just. last time. That's not a Christian idea. But that's this is a, how he's just though, because by abandoning and first off by not knowing our outcome means he's not God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So he, ha- he has to know everything. And so if he knows everything by allowing us to have free will and by allowing people to go to hell, by allowing sickness and, and everything to happen, that is also just, he's that's in my personal opinion, that's respectful, like giving us the agency to be, yeah, Christians and go yeah. through life and evangelize and love and and experience all these wonderful gifts. Um, once again, 
uh, we go back to this idea of the puppet master, as you said before in another episode. Um, if he jumps in at any point to course correct us, like but pull the strings and take, you know, like do do the puppet master thing, he's no longer allowing us to have the free will. Yeah. Well, and uh, any any idea of relationship, real relationship, genuine relationship, if you're really pulling the strings on everything, um, you've essentially, you know, it, it's it's more of a um, you, you're a toy master rather than having a relationship if you're pulling the strings. Yeah. yeah there's something more um, edifying in the idea that uh, a genuine relationship allows for the potential of somebody to reject that relationship, right? Somebody can at any point, you know, even even within a, a, the confines of a family or marriage, at some point the, the idea of love is as strong as it is because we have a choice to not love. Right. Right. So um, if you, if you take that choice away, then granted you may have less broken homes, but what do they have to stand on there? If, if you can't really have love, if you don't have the option to not love somebody also. Yeah. Right. Um, because it's exclusionary in the sense that I have chosen you as my life partner yeah. in that regard, right? At, in at the exclusion of everybody else. So um, just the nature of that is already. That's why we we bind ourselves that two shall become one flesh, and and you know you're united in marriage that way to one particular person. And that shuts off all the other options. Yeah. Right. And if you can make your own choice, listen to the thing, you can make whatever choice you want at any point in time because free, free will is exercised. I mean, in the moment right now, I invite you to make a choice, whether you twiddle your thumb or twiddle your pinky, you're making the choice, right? The idea that God is in charge of that choice for everybody and every piece of history and every weather pattern and every chaos and disaster well, like you said, tributes God to creating and being the author of evil. Yeah. And that simply is just not the case. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, let's look at the, uh, the five points here so that we're not just stuck within this, um, you know, conceptually speaking idea of predestination can go a lot of, a lot of different directions. Yeah. So at some point they kind of identified here are five tenets or five like, uh, articles within predestination within the reform theology that are accepted on one side of the scale on the Calvinist side of the scale and are rejected by the Armenians. Right. And the first one on this, and I'm definitely again, Southern Baptists were more on the Calvinist end for the first point on this is the idea of total depravity. Right? Yeah. The, the idea that ultimately all of us um, at some point, point some place within your character it doesn't total depravity doesn't necessarily mean we're all bad all the time if you take that as the, your view everybody is the worst version of themselves at all times that would be more of how the armenians define total depravity that's why they reject it the armenians look at that and say well we're not all bad all the time we're made in god's image we're capable of beautiful and great things also well, yeah, we're capable of good and great things. I'll I'll agree with them on that. So I don't think total depravity means we're all our worst versions all the time. Yeah, I, I think we're all at every 
uh, aspect of our our personality, our sense of humor. Um, um, the if you can break a person down into the separate categories that make up who they are, we don't actually own all the good stuff. Yeah. Your sense of humor that draws other people to you, you don't own that. That's mm-hmm. not yours. Your intellect, which you know, be it good or bad, you don't own that. Right? That comes as a gift from God. Um, so all, but all those categories fall short of perfection, right? Yeah. So it's total in the sense of there's not a single one of those categories. I can't say my intellect has arrived at perfection. I can't say my sense of humor. I can't say, you know, my, um, um, my imagination, um, uh, no matter how you break it down, all of these things are fallen in some form or format, some of them worse than others. Right. But, but none of them are perfect. And I think also we can just see total depravity in the streets. Yeah. Everywhere you look, especially right now. Yeah. I think you can see total depravity when you turn on the news, right? I think it's dumb to ignore that as a reality. People's there's, hearts are bad. Yeah. There there's also clear evidence of this. And this is you could chalk it up to personal experience, testimony kind of stuff. But when you look at it as like a whole, like the church as a whole, I can honestly say for myself, I know that if I was not in church, not following God, um, not seeking out what I'm supposed to do and trying to be more Christ-like, I would be doing a lot worse things right now. Yeah, you'd be right? backsliding. <laughs> you'd be back, <laughs> yeah. backsliding right You'd be backsliding hell. all the way, right? You'd be holding Satan's hand you, you every bump. <laughs> <laughs> what you want to deny people are all bad all the time, but at the same time, they affirm this idea of backsliding. Well, what's that? Yeah. You know, that's total depravity at work. Right. That if we're not being actively engaged in that relationship and drawing ourselves closer to Christ— we tend to default to some other direction and it's never good, yeah. right? The default is always bad. No, every, and every time. Look, look at people who have stepped away from the church. They're generally not in a better spot. As you, right. you've told me that yeah. before, you yeah. know, and, and it's a very valid point. They are generally not in a better place than they currently are. Right, right. That always heads downhill. So that's, that's the first point on that. And I will 100% affirm total depravity as a fact, right? Uh, the next one is um, unconditional election. It's the idea here again, getting into and that. This is Calvinistic. Right? Yeah, yeah. This the is five the, points of the Calvinism. five five yeah, points. Armenians reject them, and Calvinists accept them. But uh, unconditional election says essentially that we don't do anything that earns our salvation. That it's ultimately uh, um, our our election isn't based on any merit. You you haven't been good enough to earn it. Right, it, it's all coming because God's choice. God chooses that it's what election is. His choice, right? So, um, and and affirming that process, I will affirm that God chooses, and at the same time, I'll uh, um, also affirm that uh, we don't actually do anything to earn our salvation. I agree with that. Yeah, but you'll you'll need to expand on that because that. Sounds one way, but I know how you mean it, and that you mean it a different way. I mean it a different <laughs> than, way. Than how it sounds? Yeah, I, I, because I, we can't, we can't just sit on the couch and then go to heaven. We can't just sit on the couch. You can't get to heaven <laughs> on See, a seven forty seven so, <laughs> or on a couch. <laughs> going, going to heaven is not based on deeds, right? Right. It's not based yeah. on actions. Yeah. But it is based on. Um, 
accepting that Jesus right. lived and that he died for our sins and that he rose, you accept him as your personal savior and then follow him. That That is the means of which to, to enter into eternity. But at the same time, um, that doesn't come without natural uh, cause and effect. You can't just go, oh, yeah, but I accept Jesus. Yeah. And then... Nope, I'm not gonna pray. Yeah, nope, I'm not gonna. I'm not exactly. gonna evangelize. Exactly. There's you, a natural inclination to, to you, be doing more. You, you can't actively be following. I don't know Hinduism, some other form of faith, right? And because you're elect, because you're part of God's elect, then you're going to be in heaven. Yes. Right. Um, the means for that will come through the gospel. Will come through Jesus Christ. And you could say, as the Armenians do, well, that's a condition. You're yep. saying unconditional election, but there's a condition right there, the gospel, because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him, right? The gospel and the gospel alone yep. is the only means of our salvation. And I affirm that as well. <laughs> and so you can say, well, that's a condition on election. But then again, that's that, is it A and not A at the same time? Right, yeah. because in reality, as reality plays itself out, it is only through the gospel and the means of Jesus. And then outside reality, in the realm of eternity, as God's looking at it, it is still the means of Jesus. It is still the gospel, but it's God's choice to apply the gospel. Right. So, <laughs> so it's it's yeah it's again a in the sense of we're living day-to-day, moment-to-moment, and as we understand it, the value of the gospel is imperative. And then it's outside of eternity. There's still the gospel. It's still part of all of it, um, uh, but it's not based on our merit. So, yeah, you could say there's a condition. The condition is the gospel. But I'm like, yeah, but I didn't do anything for the gospel. That's right. why it's unconditional. Unconditional right. means you are the agent. No, right. Jesus was the agent. Exactly. Right. And that's that's so, where that's where I was wanting you to define yeah, that. Okay. It's the idea of the gift, right? It yeah. is a gift of salvation. You for Christmas, right? Uh, if you look at it in this way, right? I didn't go to Walmart to meet my grandma after she purchased my present, and then pick it up from her. No, she bought it. She wrapped it. She brought it to me, mm-hmm. and then I opened it. I just accepted it. Yeah. And that's, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, All right. yeah. Yeah, and we're going to come back to that illustration of the Christmas gift oh, here, cool. right? Or I intend to. Um, so, yeah, that's that idea of unconditional election. Are you the agent or is God the agent? Well, God is the agent. We affirm that. So, in one sense, I'm affirming unconditional election. Uh, but there's kind of a condition there, and that condition is the gospel. Right. Right. So, so the idea of unconditional election from the one standpoint of we don't get a choice, we're elect, and I could sit on the couch, that's not really the case. Right, right. It's, it's a little bit different. Yeah. So I think the, I think the idea is it's there, but I think that from the five points of Calvinism doesn't quite. Yeah, that's why people have debated this over and over and over again All for this hundreds <laughs> of years, yeah. and whole denominations have been formed based on this, right? Yeah, that's why we're not going to unpack the whole thing today, but you, you know, listeners um, can begin to uh, 
have their <laughs> we can break them grab, <laughs> grab your shovels yeah and hopefully break in a good way in that you start to explore some of these concepts if you haven't before yeah right so yeah you could say the gospel is a condition so therefore unconditional election isn't something that you affirm but generally and i and there's a difference too between like the hyper calvinists and i think the actual person john calvin and I think the actual person, John Calvin, would say when he articulates the idea of unconditional election, he's meaning that you and I don't actually activate our salvation, that that's God's prerogative, but that that salvation coming through the, the cross and through the gospel there still makes it unconditional, right? That because it's Jesus that's yeah. doing all the work. Yeah. So therefore, we can't merit ourselves. We can't rise to the occasion, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, and be good enough to get into heaven. No, it won't matter. The only way that you'll come to um, um, is through Jesus, right? He is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no there's no real legwork that goes into it for us, except other other than just truly admitting and believing and believing and yeah. accepting the gift. That I mean, that's really the belief it. part. Yeah, which, yeah. So that's that's essentially unconditional election. That's where where you can fall on a spectrum there, right? Then limited atonement. And limited atonement has a spectrum also, right, is the next point. The atonement, which happens on the cross, Jesus is dying for our sins, right? Is that limited? Well, in one aspect, if you deny limited atonement, if you say no, that atonement is not limited, that atonement is available and and uh, uh, there for everybody, if you take that too far, you become a universalist. Mm-hmm. You just simply believe it doesn't matter what we do or, or how we live our lives. Ultimately, everybody's going to heaven. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He made it acceptable and available for everybody. So you don't even have to accept, honestly. It's just simply available because Jesus already did it for the world. Uh, uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? And the rest of that, though, is whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But they'll say, yeah, but God so loved the world, everyone, that he gave his own. So that's where that debate comes in. Is there even anybody going to... Hell's just simply going to be empty. (laughs) Everybody's going to heaven, right? Because there's no limit to the atonement, right? So one aspect of limited atonement just affirms the fact that not everybody's going to heaven. Yeah. There there will be people in hell. I think think a lot of these... Uh, a lot of these points, the, the five points that you're, you're bringing up, I think a lot of them are very, very easy to make an immediate wrong assumption about what they actually mean. Right. Yeah. Right. When you say limited atonement, the first place that my mind would naturally go to is that he only died for a few people. Yeah. Yeah. And that would not, be... Not that he died for the world, but the world in turn has to also accept him. Because that's that's what that really means. Yeah, we yeah. we have to once again our our very limited legwork in salvation. We have to at the very least accept it. And I think that naturally it's easy just to go limited atonement means well, it's only for the people that he's picked, and those people are going whether right. they're Buddhist or not Buddhist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, very good. God before the foundations of the earth here. When, when Christ died on the cross, that activity was limited to those he elected. That's the other side of it. Mm-hmm. And you're right. That's the other side of it. That's the 
the Calvinistic side of it. So no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. So, so is there a, a limit to the atonement? Well, then you can get into the discussion, and this is more of a Baptist position, right? So that it doesn't really put us in the middle. I think we're still closer to the Calvinistic uh, framework, and I say that because there's an awful lot of traditions that'll go a lot closer to a universalist or a Unitarian position, and I don't want to come anywhere anywhere near that that area, right? So I would say even landing in the middle is a little too close to that for my comfort. I don't want to get anywhere to where I'm like, yeah, okay, heaven's going to be, or uh, hell is empty, and we're all going to heaven. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what you do, what you decide, I'm never going to land in that space. Yeah. I want to stay as far away as possible. So I'm going to say, we're not in the middle. We're still closer to a Calvinist just by affirming that hell's real, and it it's a real reality that some people are going to be um, um, left to, right? Uh, some people are ultimately going to hell and you can't get around that. That's clearly taught in the Bible. Jesus talks about hell more than he even talks about heaven. So we, we can't ignore that reality. So I don't think, I don't think, I think just affirming the reality of hell and, and the potential of going there already puts you closer to a Calvinistic side. Now it may not have brought you all the way to the point where you're going to affirm that, before the foundations of creation, God picked who the atonement would be effective for, right? Um, we get into this discussion where where Baptist land is more of a efficient and effective, and the idea that it's effective for the entire creation. Jesus dies on the cross. His, his atonement, even for Hitler, right, is 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 efficient for all of that, right? It can cover all sin. Yeah. But it's not effective. To make it effective... One has to do that one little has to bit of groundwork. Believe. One, one has to accept the gospel, Yeah, right? Um, and, and then it's effective through Christ. So, that, so we'll make a distinction between this efficient and effective when we hit limited atonement. Here and then we get into the discussion there because some will say, "Well, we're applying this efficient and effective idea. We're bringing that from that's not necessarily something that 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 if Paul wanted us to think that way, he would have written it into the scripture at the same place he's talking about these predestination stuff." Yeah, um, but just because uh, you don't find the discussion in Romans chapter eight or nine doesn't mean it's not there. Right, mm-hmm. efficient and effective. I, I think it's I think it's a valid discussion matter right there. Um, that you can have a atonement that is ef- efficient for everyone, but not necessarily effective for everyone. That the the uh, effectiveness of God's atonement comes into play um, as belief comes into play. I right? eat free will. I, yeah. yeah, free will. Exactly, free will. This, this, that's why concepts. we're not landing at a hundred percent. On, on that one side, Calvinism, but I'm a lot closer to it than I am. Well, that, and that's the, the thing other. is, it's it's. I think there are, there are Southern Baptists out there that you say Calvinism, they're like, oh no 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 no, that's yeah. bad, that's yeah. bad bad bad. Well, it's only bad in its extremities. Yeah, right. It's yeah. only bad in, in in its most extreme form. Just like being too lax is, you know, yeah, bad. Any, anything's bad in an extreme. Right. Um. But observing the ideas, we're we're not necessarily promoting so to speak, Calvinism, more than we are um, just 
acknowledging some of the views and saying, oh, actually, those those make sense, but not not all of them. Right. Not to the extreme level. Right. So that's that's an idea of limited atonement. None of these are fully unpacked, but hopefully they're unpacked enough that, you know, for our audience listening and and for people who even have like I think a seminary level education will hear it and think we've done it justice. Yeah. Right. That's my goal. At least just to navigate through predestination. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a little bit. Um, the next point on that is going to be irresistible grace. Right. And here's the one where I'll come into probably the most conflict. Right. If, if somebody asked, okay, real quick, say, are you a uh, uh, five point Calvinist? And I'll probably say, no, nah, I'm probably about a four point Calvinist. Right. Because irresistible well, grace is you, where I'll, you'd be, I'll, you'd be four. But that's for pending your explanation and understanding of those five right. points or from the right perspective. <laughs> exactly. Because the other perspective could be there really, taken way out of context. There really is no short answer to this. You no. almost have to, okay, uh, let's you have, have to this break hour and a half conversation where you actually go through each one and, and outline what you're, what you're saying at each point. So, yes, you're, that's very, very true. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, with, with irresistible grace... Um, uh, the idea is once God has expressed the gospel to you, um, it will come at you like the hounds of heaven. You won't be able to get away from it. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean that, again, a hyper-Calvinistic idea of that would be, well, then all you have to do is go tell somebody one time, right? As long as you've expressed the gospel that one time, at some point, their salvation is going to follow along because that grace is irresistible. It's going to come back and get them. Well, I'm I'm sorry, but regardless of how well it's expressed, how well that one sermon was, if you've heard one sermon and never heard it again, right, mm-hmm. that, that won't be powerful enough. Or they might say, well, then that message will keep coming at you until you're going to accept it. Right there's there's no like way relentless yeah there's no way you're getting away from it yeah. there's there's <laughs> no way that guy who's the seminary professor and walks into the Seven Eleven and managed to just not be feeling it that day see that's proof of irresistible grace because right behind him came the trucker mm-hmm. who you know was was ready to to follow up and if the trucker had in his follow up she'd said yeah not today buddy right and she'd just not been ready to hear it but she's elect. That means the next day somebody else is going to come in, right? And then the next day or at some point somebody's going to come in. Ultimately, before that woman dies, she ain't getting away from it. (laughs) Somebody is going to catch her at the right time, at the right moment, and she's going to make a decision because grace is irresistible, right? That's that's the way that works. That's the doctrine. Yeah, is that the hounds of heaven will continue to, to follow you. So my issue with that is the resistible part, the the idea of it being irresistible. I just see too much potential to resist grace all the time, even if you're an active believer, right? You want to, as best you can, you're reading your Bible, you're going to church every time the building's open, you're you're invested, uh, you're serving, you're just doing it the best way you know how, Right? Even somebody who has that perspective and is actively at, you know, they're at the mountaintop experience, right? Yeah. They feel like they're just living in God's grace all the time, still are resisting something. I, I am convinced at some point on the other side of reality, at some point we will all meet our maker 
And, and part of our judgment, even for the best of us, even for the Billy Grahams out there, will be that hard pill to swallow of here are all the blessings you missed. Mm-hmm. Here's all the opportunities you had that you missed. Here's the grace that was available that you missed out on, right? I think even when we're attempting to follow Christ with everything we have, there's just there's grace we're resisting all the time. Yeah. And 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 again, because if we weren't, we wouldn't be totally depraved, yeah. <laughs> right? We would be we'd be able to accept that all the time. So I think that's the conflict there is that that there's a constant um, resistance of grace going on. And I think the again, I think that's where the balance of free will comes in. Perfection. The, 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 yeah, but that, well, yeah, no, no, but free will, I was just saying perfect. I was adding, we'd be perfected. Yeah. If, if that was, uh, the potential to be perfected on this side of reality would be a real thing. If you couldn't resist grace. Yeah. Right. We would just be the best versions of ourselves and we've already established we're not. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, I think the, the potential for resisting grace is just too, too strong, even among the best of us there and um, um, ultimately that um, s- someone can even resist the gospel too easily. I think that's where our free will comes into play. That that here, if you're ex- you really and today more so than in the past, we have access to a lot of information. I mean, you can just with a YouTube search get on there and hear some of the best content when it comes to um, evangelism and expressing the gospel. And you can hear some of the best people out there. You yeah. want to listen to Billy Graham, YouTube it. And and you can listen to Billy Graham, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or whoever you want to listen to. But you can also hear the counterpoint to that. We are at a day and age where information is just right at the tips of our fingers. So you can look up the atheist view on something and the orthodox view on something. Anything that you want to study, you can study both sides, right? So with that all at the tip of our fingers, it is, it is easy to be swayed one way or the other in that process. Um, we have the option to explore things now better than we ever have, right? And we will, ex- we will resist. We will resist the orthodox. We will resist the truth. Um, if it's convenient or if it just doesn't mesh um, with how we're living. Our, and a lot of the time, I think it's, it's more about the, the way you want to live your life. I think when people reject the gospel, it's not so much about an intellectual process there. It's realizing what they have to give up yeah. in that regard. Well, if I'm going to believe Jesus, that means I can't be like um, drinking and, and um, cruel to people and watching pornography and all the stuff that immediately the thinking of all the stuff I enjoy, I can't do anymore. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's part of the resistance to the gospel is right there is that people are realizing that, well, that means it's, I've got to change my ways if I'm really going to don't knock it until this. you try it, bub. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my strongest, I think this is more so than any of the other points. I think this is where free will really hits home. Here And I think that's where God's not pulling the strings. Um, And uh, uh, to quote my buddy Ravi again, um, and he was quoting somebody else, so um, I I should have done my due diligence and pulled up where the quote actually came from at first. The quote, quote. uh, He says that um, um, 
when somebody uh, ultimately sets their feet against the the wall or the sand or, or stands their ground and is going to refuse God, he will be the first one to step aside and second the motion. If that's the way you want it, okay. Yeah. Have it your way. Yeah. Right? So that being the case, because he's not a puppet master, he'll step aside and, and second the motion. He'll say, okay, have it your way. Which is where I think that... Like where, like I was saying before, I think it's just. I think it's right. It's respectful of of us as as his creation um, to step aside. Yeah, I know. It's it's that's the thing is. Um, there's, <laughs> I was talking to somebody and uh, he, he won't care if I. I'm not going to say who it is, but anyways, um, basically it lined up at this point where they believe the Bible is either false or inaccurate to some extent, or that God's just a big old meanie up in the sky. Yeah. And it's easy to, it's easy to land on that when you're not pulling yourself out of like the scope of everything, but by, by him stepping aside, right. By him allowing us this free will by him, um, letting what we decide we want to do happen. That is, that is mercy. Yeah. And it's kind of weird. It's hard to look at, but that is mercy. That is him saying, I'm, I'm respecting your decision. Right. Which is, the ideal father would do it. Yeah. And, you know? and some people will say, well, you know, then that gets back to, or, or that's against that irresistible, irresistible grace there. Well, no, we can, res- I would say we can resist grace. We do it all the time there. Right. But, but that, uh, uh, or that unconditional election, then that uh, you're doing something therefore to enact your salvation. Mm-hmm. It, 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 you're, it's not just Jesus anymore you're meeting him halfway no you're not meeting him halfway jesus died on the cross it's done i didn't die on a cross no no it's, it's yeah done. you just will say yes or no <laughs> they're saying well jesus did everything but that that very last he if it's a hundred percent right jesus did like 99.9999999 and you're just doing that oh 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 one little percent by accepting the gift, right? Gets back to our uh, illustration of the Christmas gift, Yeah, right? You could say you open the package up and be like, yeah, no thanks. I'm not interested <laughs> in your socks, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I'm giving this gift back. Grandmas Some, do give socks. Sometimes something. they do that, but, but the way we do that usually is, oh, thank you, Grandma, and then they go the next day. Do you have the receipt? <laughs> you know, yeah. they try and go back and Exchange return it. the gift for something else, right? That uh, we, we actively... I hope she paid in cash. Yeah, <laughs> we actively do that, but still, nonetheless, that gift... You didn't do anything for it. Yeah. Right? It came to you and and you don't get any merit because you accept it. Well, and it sought you out too. Right. She brought it to she you. She brought it to she you. She brought it to you. Yeah. Yeah. For you. <laughs> so so I don't know that we gain any merit. We don't get that point zero 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 one or whatever it is of merit How dare of you our take own the salvation. <laughs> But we haven't done any real work by accepting it. I don't see it that way. I just yeah. intellectually affirming it doesn't somehow give me credit. Yeah. Right. But it it just doesn't. Christ still did everything. Mm-hmm. He's still the chief of all atonement right there in process. I I, I don't somehow by accepting him um, gain anything. Well, I gain everything, but but I don't. I don't gain anything by my own merits yeah. that way because I accept it. I've done nothing there. It's still all him. 
right? Mm -hmm. But that's where they would say, no, but you're saying even if you're, even if you're only affirming such, such a little bit to intellectually affirm the proposition, Jesus Christ is Lord, you believe that you had the free will to make that, that intellectual decision, then you've already given yourself too much merit. Yeah. I don't think so. I just don't I just can't land on that. I think that the amount of free will it takes to accept the gift I'm willing to give somebody without saying that they've somehow earned their own salvation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Jesus yeah. still did it all. So that's that's where that, you know, free will comes into play. We have an awful lot of free will, I think, when it comes to rejecting God's grace. And we use it all the time. Yeah. So that that's the irresistible grace. That's the one where um, the like somebody who's really hardcore Calvin would would probably say, "Okay, <laughs> I'm parting company with you." <laughs> right? They would be like, "Sorry, Sam, you're no longer my friend." Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and people have done this in the past. They fought that to that degree. But again, I don't think, especially in today's age, when people aren't necessarily having these this level of theological discussion. That um, that's something we need to necessarily part ways on. I think even amongst the other elders in our church, if they land in different places on this spectrum, we can still lock arms and join each other in ministry. That's why there's no say. reason we can't. That's why that's why at the beginning of this, and and I said it. I didn't mean to say it in a. If it seems disrespectful, that's not what I meant. But it is trivial at best. Yeah, where we land on. Yeah, this. if you're like you have to land right on the same spot, or we can't be in the same church, we can't operate. No, that won't work. No. You'll never find the, somebody. The only thing we're really talking about here is understanding the un the the ununderstandable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean? And if you can start to work out where you are on the spectrum. And you may change in that spectrum as you grow. Again, we're in constant flux yeah. in that process. Well, and as I said before, I, I've where I've lined up with this, God knows everything yet created us but has a design to follow and is respecting our free will. I, that That's helped me appreciate who God is more. That's helped me see his character a little bit more. That, yeah. Once again, that father role, um, the perfect father figure that steps aside and lets his son become the prodigal son. Yeah. To then come back and then say, hey, yeah. it's fine. And that's a good, oh, you, that you brought that illustration up. Why do we even have that parable of the prodigal why son? Is it with the, where is, why is there <clears throat> judgment after yeah. we die? Why do we have to give an account for anything if he already knew it and predestined it and, and it doesn't matter? Right. That's the whole <clears throat> point because everything falls apart. When you, when you hard one side or hard extreme the other side, one or the other, that whole idea goes away. That's, yeah. And that's why I think that God in his um, state of perfection inside of where he, he reduces the size of the future and the past so much so that it all becomes one eternity, right? Yeah. Um, I lost my train of thought. It's <laughs> <laughs> so easy to do with this. Uh, but like the, it, it all goes away. Yeah. All of that makes no sense at all. And it all kind of loses itself and you start losing this idea of perfection. Everything questions itself and falls apart one after the other. One stone after the other comes tumbling down. And I think um, the, the spectrum will be much less of a spectrum on the other side of eternity. I think that'll be one of the things uh, I heard somebody express that um, upon your death, your theology is completed. Yeah. Like the, the things you hadn't gotten around to working out, the things you were still in process with all at once become clear, right? Um, do we continue to learn stuff in heaven? Maybe, but maybe not. 
So there's that idea that uh, heaven's more about that. What we learn is is all relational at that point because you're in the presence of God, in, in the presence of Jesus. Do you need to work out any more your theology at that point? Well, you've got him right there, you know, because theology ultimately is the study of God, and we're trying to be like him and think his thoughts in that process. So it's, it's a lot easier when you're in his presence. Yeah, when we enter into, this is a whole other, uh, we might go off on another tangent here, but if you enter into the kingdom of heaven, into eternity, right, then you can ask your questions, but if eternity is out, if we're <laughs> then outside of time, haven't we already answer, asked aren't we currently asking the questions past, present, future isn't the thing anymore. We're no longer bound by this, uh, the chains of time anymore. So you're, you're kind of in this thing where you've, <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's still a time stream in heaven. I think it works differently, but I think it's still, it's yeah, there. we'll have maybe. to talk about that. That's for that, sure. I, I don't know because I, I think I to know. be truly outside of time, completely odd temporal is to be, God. Yeah. I think that is one of the things yeah, that only he, that's a straight only he holds. And even in our glorified state or in our intermediate state between death and, and, uh, um, ultimate resurrection, um, uh, that we're still kind of in the time stream. We're still experiencing some form of events in a sequence, a past and, and changing into a, or a, a yeah, future changing into a past as it were, even if that looks a little different in how it works itself out. But we'll, we'll, we'll have to, I was about to say, I've got like 12 points that just popped up. (laughs) (laughs) That's for another one. We're, we're going to break, we're going to break Thomas again. We need to look at the last point. We didn't even get into Romans chapter nine. So we may have to come back and look at Romans eight and Romans nine and some of the other passages. We wouldn't have to just, Crack your Bibles open. That's the whole point, right? We want you to send us questions. Yeah. Open up. What about this? You know, open up Romans, read it, uh, read it for yourself. It'll take you five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then go back and read it again because there's a lot of there in eight and nine. (laughs) That's, that's definitely a a reread. Go back and study that one over and over again. Um, uh, Let's see. The last point on this is um, the, let's see, we did. Irresistible grace, good. The last point on this is the idea of eternal security mm-hmm. or preservation of the saints. Once saved, always saved. Once saved, always saved, right? And again, um, this gets back to, are you backsliding? backsliding, right? If it's all on us, if it's limited to just how fickle we are, that's kind of a dangerous and sad place to be because you can, again, you're always in process, are you saved or not? Well, you're always working your way that direction or working your way the other, mm-hmm. right? You're always kind of in flux one way or the other. And and I think there is a final no. I have affirmed Jesus Christ is Lord. That is an affirmation I make and believe that to be true. Then everything else that's in flux, that's more about how you're growing closer to Christ or not, Right, it's or that drifting. process. I mean, drifting, drifting away. away. Yeah, you, it's, you can it's, know something. Yeah, you can you know. still you can still affirm Jesus Christ is Lord and and be living like it's that's not what you affirm. Right, you may believe that if somebody asks you about it, but for most of your day to day, you don't really even think about it. Um, so, and that's 
then it's like, well, are they saved really? <laughs> you know, that yeah. raise that questions. Like they're not living like it. Um, well, do, if they have eternal security, that means that that irresistible grace at some point, they'll start living that way. No, we'll always be growing in some format. That's the goal is to become more and more Christ-like, to be more sanctified, to be more conformed into the image of who Christ is. That That is a process and in so much as someone can backslide, I would say, yeah, that person is not wearing Jesus's um, uh, name very well right yeah. now. Right, the idea that uh, uh, we're, we're trying to clothe ourselves like him and be like him, they're, they're not wearing his coat very well in that instance. But um, uh, that's not necessarily unto our eternal salvation. Right, mm-hmm. once saved, always saved. Um, and, and in the case of someone who, like our, our buddies, Rhett, Rhett and Link, who were walking the path and then strayed away from it and where they are currently, and if they died in this state, what would that mean? Would that mean they were never saved in the first place? Maybe. Um, well, maybe, maybe they were just bought into this legalistic form. That's what I kind of criticized about the whole thing. It's like, sounds like it was more about what you're doing than what you're believing in a relationship. Yeah, and right? that's that's always the hard part because I'm sure I'm sure if the conversation was brought up to them, it would be yes, I believed. Yes, I had a relationship. Yes, I experienced you know X, Y, and Z. That's the difficult part about it. But i i tend to I tend to jump on the side of if you are truly saved, if you do truly accept Jesus into your heart, then you naturally will drift closer towards Him. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that's the irresistible grace, but but when you are a Christian and you do live with Jesus in your heart, you do want to pursue, you do want to change, yeah. right? And yeah. you do want to drift closer. So for for some, I won't say for all, because once again, this could just be a, a bum time for the two of them, and they might come back later on. Right. We don't know. I'll say this for some, though. If you did fall away from the faith, I would question whether you actually believed in your yeah, heart or not. Yeah, and and, that's a fair question. It's a fair question, um, and and it shouldn't be just thrown off. If if you are actively, if you will not affirm the statement Jesus Christ is Lord, and that He was raised from the dead, then you, you, that's a real question. If you did yeah. at one point and you don't anymore, then you need to ask yourself why ultimately, and the, the potential is. Maybe it's the company you keep. Maybe it's some of the questions you ask. Maybe it was even getting broken by some of this kind of deeper theological stuff. And the only um, exposure you had to it was the, the, the outside fringe versions of it. Yeah, right? but never, never. But, but never seeing it as a spectrum right. in this process. It was, it was only articulated to you, no, it's this and only this, or it's this and only this. And you can't have... In any other view, it has to be this way. Then, yeah, that could drive you, you know, kind of into a, a position of where you're questioning all of this. Well, I, I would say also, if you if you truly did have a relationship with Jesus, you wouldn't want to leave. Yeah. If if you really experienced that, the 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 give and the take, the what you give and what you receive from the Lord in that real relationship, you wouldn't you wouldn't leave. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's it's I, I believe the we are secure ultimately and and that yeah you may 
have periods of your life um, where that dark night of the soul, you're not necessarily feeling the mountaintop experience. And on top of that, you're, you're just struggling in other areas, struggling financially or struggling at home. And all of these things can kind of come to bear on your own witness, on your own walk, as we like to say mm-hmm. in, in Christianese, um, that idea of that, that relationship, um, it, all of those factors can kind of come to bear in such a way that you start to behave as though you don't believe. It's easy to ignore these like affirmations and, and um, uh, the life-changing ideas of Jesus Christ is Lord. You, you can separate yourself from that. It's easy enough to do. There's plenty of distractions going yeah. on in life. And on top of that, if that's compounded with other areas that you're struggling. But but I think if you affirm that, then the eternal security of that isn't based on how fickle we are. Yeah. Right? And how easily we are distracted. That that work is a finished work in Jesus Christ. And it's an ongoing work. It's this, uh, again, we talked about efficient and effective with the idea of limited atonement. Mm-hmm. Here I would say it's the already and not yet, right? It is already <clears throat> completed salvation at work there. What's not yet is that process of your conformity into Jesus Christ, that, that growing and that drifting we take a little bit of responsibility for, Right. Um, so that aspect of it can kind of wane, flux, right? Hopefully it's headed more towards you seeking a relationship. That's, that's the goal. But there are just periods in life where you get drawn away by, by yeah. other. But that doesn't change that already. That already is completed. And that's, What's not yet is your final product yeah. of what happened with that salvation. But I think that total and utter rejection is a different thing altogether. Yeah, because total and utter rejection equates to you know you you've rejected the gift you were not accepting it you were going to go to hell for that right which is that sounds rough and not fire and brimstone <laughs> well yeah here, but 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 that's ultimately the, they don't believe that they don't yeah. believe hell exists so um, if so they were for them it's just a, a means of an intellectual um, proposition yeah and, and as far as they're concerned they either affirm it or deny it they've denied it. That's the end of it. No, there's a lot more consequence to that. Ideas have consequences. And that idea is an idea that has massive consequence. Jesus Christ is Lord, and he was raised from the dead, has massive consequences. It's just not a matter of a proposition you either affirm or deny. right? Um, But yeah, somebody who's going to reject that is probably just not going to accept those or not going to get into those consequences. right? They're just going to go with that as a proposition. Do you affirm it or do you deny it? Right. That's dangerous too. All ideas have consequences though. So hopefully that helped a little bit as a follow up to our first, first podcast. And well, actually it's not even, I won't really, I'm not going to release it. (laughs) It's not going to be that first. uh, Oh, you have to, you have to get, yeah, no, because (laughs) I, I didn't say stuff in this one that, that are needed in that that maybe I will. Yeah, you need give them the first one and give them this one together. They we they're a, they're a piece. You got to have them both. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, otherwise we kept referencing stuff that we said already <laughs> that won't really won't make sense if you only give them this one. Well, so I'll, we'll we'll end it this way. Uh, we were all predestined to have free will. If that's not if this episode <laughs> didn't confuse you that well, so um, 
Thank you all for listening. As always, uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and a whole plethora of other places. Um, once again, I am Thomas. And I'm Sam. And this has been the Silent Planet Podcast, and we will catch you all next week.